Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Les Bowen and EJ Smith. Hey guys, what's going on? How's it going? Howdy, Jeff. Uh, this is your Eagles podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and we are looking ahead to the Eagles-Pittsburgh game, their fifth game of the season. They're 1-2-1, one, and, one, and this one comes on the road, cross state, I guess I, w- I can't really say rivals, but uh, certainly a cross state foe. And, yeah. Uh, you know, a team that's 3-0. Yeah. They would be uh, – who knows what they would be, but their game last week was postponed because of the coronavirus. Players from the Titans con- contracted it and are still contracting it apparently. <laughs> uh, but the Steelers, as far as we know, have no cases, and they'll go ahead with playing the Eagles on a week's rest, extra week's rest, that is. And the Eagles are coming back from the West Coast. So uh, probably a little bit of a disadvantage there. I think in the long run, not a major one. But uh, – Let's look ahead to the game specifically, and I, I want to start with the Steelers' defensive front versus the Eagles' offensive front. The Eagles are now down to, I guess, their third or <laughs> their third starting left tackle. Uh, yeah. Andre Dillard, Jason Peters are out, and you now got Jordan Malata there. Uh, he's received a lot of praise for his performance on Sunday. I think that's kind of, you know – Relatively speaking, um, I mean this. This was his first NFL start. <laughs> uh, I mean, not this is his first start in football at any level. Uh, so, the you know he's been graded on a curve, let's say. Um, sure. But nevertheless, I mean, there, obviously, there's talent there. There's there's ability there, and but he's facing a different edge rusher this week in TJ Watt. Yeah. And uh, not just T.J. Watt, uh, Bud Dupree maybe on his side too, and he, he's a he's a very good edge rusher. Um, up front, Cameron Hayward has been there for a long time, a real good two gap guy. Well, you know, how do you guys make out this this matchup? Is this where it's going to be won or lost? I think that this is going to be a really interesting test for Mylotta. I mean, you you mentioned it. He, the, some of the things he did against San Francisco, you know, they jump out. You know, like some of the combo blocks he made and, you know, some of his pass sets. You just look at it and you go, I mean, this guy has a lot of talent. He's a huge guy, but he's athletic. He's really, really strong. Um, and I think that, you know, I listened to the podcast on Tuesday and you guys were talking about if he's maybe the long-term solution. I mean – He's going to have to show it for a couple more weeks, but I think if he shows it this week, that is um, a, a huge deal. Um, you know, against T.J. Watt and those and Bud Dupree and the rest of that Steelers front. I mean, if he can replicate what he did against the 49ers, I don't see how you can take him out. Um, so, so yeah, I think this will be the this will be the real indicator with him. Last, you know, I uh, it'll be an indicator. I. If he does poorly, I'm not sure all is lost. I mean, this is a heck of a position for this guy to be in in week two of his starting career. Um, I hope he does well. You know, there's probably some ground here where he doesn't do that great given who he's up against, and it still still doesn't mean he can't play, you know. Right, right, Uh, right. And that's what I kind of am concerned about going into this game given the way fans react and, and so on and so forth, I, it, this is a, this is a bad matchup for the, for an offensive line that, you know, it's not just my It's Nate Herbig next to my Who's barely played. It's Matt Pryor. Who's really a kind of a backup guy on the right guard. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson probably trying to play 
at far less than 100%. Uh, yeah, this, this is tough. This is really a hard, hard thing to have coming up, uh, you know, uh, with all those good feelings from San Francisco. It would be real nice to have that Giants game this week <laughs> instead of, you know, two and a half weeks from now. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I do think, though, I, I talked to some people and, I think people in other organizations were impressed with what Mylotta did Sunday night. You know, Sunday night game, the whole league watches, kind of like Monday night. And uh, you know, I, I think he's—I don't think we were looking at it through rose-colored glasses. I think he physically did very well. The thing I see with this O line, though, is in a couple games, they're so inexperienced and so unused to working with each other that twists and stunts and blitz pickups yeah. tend to be huge problems. And that's exactly what we're going to see Sunday in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, this Pittsburgh defense, it's, obviously it's, it's a small sample of just three games, but, you know, they ranked two in yards allowed. They yanked yeah. three in yards per play, first in rushing yards. They're only allowing 54 yards per game on the ground. Uh, sacks, their first in uh, sacks per pass attempt. Uh, points, they've, they've only allowed the fifth least amount of points uh, per game. So this is a really good defense, and it's not just uh, – it's not just all about their front. I mean, right. you, you look at that. You look at that. You know, they always have good linebackers, inside guys that can that can uh, run from sideline to sideline. Um, you know, Devin Bush is, is certainly a talent. Uh, you got Joe Hayden uh, at one side of the field, a cornerback. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, who the Eagles, a lot of fans wanted the Eagles to get last uh, yeah, yeah. last year before the trade deadline, is one of the better safeties in the league. So this is a really stout defense, and and obviously looking at the Eagles' offense. It's going to be a tough chest test beyond the offensive line, and which brings us to Carson Wentz, who who took a positive step in the right direction. It wasn't a clean game; it wasn't really particularly dynamic. But considering all the injuries that that Carson has around him, it was a good performance. Do you think we'll see more of the same this coming week, guys? Yeah, I I do think he's kind of settling in with this group. Um, but, it, I mean, if he's got pass rushers all over him, he's going to be trying to force things again, and, you know, that could turn out poorly. But, uh, you know, are they going to get – are they going to have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, and are those guys going to be able to help, really, especially Alshon, who hasn't played in nearly a year? Uh, these are big questions. I don't, I don't know the answers to them. I do think he's going to make fewer really stupid turnovers – uh, but outside of that, I, I can't predict much. Yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that this is easily the best defense that they've played all year. Um, and, you know, Carson's been pressured uh, about as much as anybody in the NFL through four weeks. Um, and I, I guess he's done all right against it, but, I mean, all right relative to how he's played in general, which is obviously a poorly. Um, so, I don't know. I, I do think that – you know, I thought other than running uh, when he took off and ran against the 49ers, the, he was at his best when he was, you know, getting the ball out of his hands relatively quickly. Um, and he's going to have to do that against the Steelers. So maybe um, it will actually play into the, the Eagles offense's hand that he has to get the ball out quicker because um, it yeah. seems like the catastrophe plays happen when he's holding on to it a little bit longer and, you know, trying to do the things that he did the last couple of seasons, you know, kind of extending plays and making magic. He's just not doing that right now I don't think his accuracy or you know his decision making's there when um you know he's off script but it seems like actually keeping him on script has been the the antidote 
the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to like not disagree, but like I felt like what we've seen the last two weeks is Carson more like 2017. I mean, not not the passing part, but the but the extending place part and running and using his legs. Sure, part. yeah, they're taking off and, for sure. Yeah, and, and but like you know, and also being—I mean, he's how many of sacks has, has he kind of squirreled uh, away from, and and that's really kind of kept plays alive. More again with his legs, and, and I, I agree with you, EJ, that uh, certainly in the passing part, it, it hasn't always gone well. But some of the throws he's made from those—I mean, again, that's when Carson I think throws his best is when he's off balance. Sure, yeah. um, it's probably probably the part of the reason why he's been having so much trouble throwing from the pocket is that he relies on that too much, and. I just feel like in the first game, Carson tried to be that guy. I think he wanted to come in season and be that guy, and it just it hurt them too much. He didn't expect to see so much pressure, and he took some really bad sacks. The following week, he went the direct opposite. He was opposite and tried to get rid of it so quickly to a, almost to a fault. And I think he's found a more of a happy medium these last few weeks and knowing when to get rid of the ball, but also knowing there are times that I just got to – make something happen with my legs yeah. or, or with my athleticism. And, and I think that's just who Carson's got to be. You just got to let Carson be Carson. Um, it, it, it may get him hurt. I mean, I just, I think at some point if he keeps playing like this way, it's going to happen again. I'm not trying to be all negative, in, but there, we have a, a history here of Carson getting hurt this way. Um, but at the same time, and he spoke about this repeatedly now, it's a, it's a narrative that will not go away. He has to balance that aggressiveness versus keeping himself healthy. And uh, right now the Eagles need him just to kind of play that way is the way I feel yeah, it. Can't um, be a stationary pocket pass. Right. He's not Tom Brady. He, you know, that's, that's not trying to turn him into that at age 27 is, is just a terrible idea regardless of the injury risk. You know, he has to play, he has to do the things that got him drafted second overall. And it wasn't, you know, standing in the pocket and, you know, sorting out uh, progressions. No, and no, it's not. And um, I don't know what that means for him in the future, but right now they just got to like, you know, and then obviously script more plays to, to move him out of the pocket. They've done a little more of that. Sometimes I think it's uh, game game plan uh, specific and you have some teams are better at containing those types of those types of rollouts, um, those ty- types of naked boots. But um, do a better job with that. The, pro- the problem, though, is, as Les, you alluded to, is geez, I mean, no Dallas Goddard. We don't know about Alshon and Deshaun. Not that we really, yeah. not that they're, they've been also great. Uh, John Rager is still out. Uh, the top guys are, are John Hightower, <laughs> Greg Ward. Yeah. I mean, certainly Zach Ertz. They had to do a better job of getting Zach Ertz, unless you asked Zach this, or I guess it wasn't Zach. I think it was Doug. Carson. You asked about Carson. Or Carson. Yeah. It was Carson. Yeah. yeah, like that's not entirely an excuse. I mean, there were, you know, why was he running so many routes underneath? You know, like, well, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm not – I'm very pro-Ertz. Somehow, though, the 49ers, everybody knew the Eagles were keying on George Kittle. And George Kittle caught 15 passes for 183 yards Sunday night. But the 49ers key on Zach Ertz, and I guess they just have better defensive personnel in many cases. But And Ertz gets four catches for nine yards – which is the lowest yeah. yards per catch of his career in any game in which he's caught a pass. You know, I mean, I, that's just stunning. There has to be a way to free up Zach Ertz. Uh, it's, it, 
they can talk about, well, it gets other guys open and stuff like that, but they're not that good an offense that they can live off, you know, dumping the ball to Greg Ward or to, uh, you know, uh, uh, finding Travis Fulham uh, downfield once a game. Uh, they, they need they need Zach Ertz back in the back in the flow of six or seven catches for 80 or 90 yards. Yeah, uh, real quick. I mean, you know, George Kittle right now, maybe the best tight end in the league. So I think there's certainly that element to it. And, and Carson isn't uh, much of a yards after catch guy. And, and George can be that type of guy. But I, I completely agree with you. I just I felt like they just kind of just kept dumping to him. And it's not like Zach. Zach has been that guy. Yeah. Zach, can, Zach can beat guys down the field. Uh, we saw that two weeks ago. Um, and we've seen it many times over the previous seven seasons. So you got to do a better job of, of freeing Zach open. But they also have Miles Sanders. And yeah. It's going to be tough for him to get him going. But I, again, you got to get him going. You have to, you have to get him going. And, and I'm wondering what's happening with the guys behind him because you just have not seen any production out of those two guys. Yeah. EJ, you've written a lot about the running back position. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen um, there? Yeah, I, I think that they are just going all in on this. Miles Sanders is the featured guy. I mean, this week they sort of pushed back on the idea that he's going to be their four-minute offense back. You know, they said that Corey Clement is, uh, you know, the bigger, stronger back who's going to be in, you know, to, to ice the game, which, I mean, I don't really get it. You're going to have Sanders be the guy for, you know, the first three and three quarters of the game and then, you know, for 90% of the game, you're going to have Sanders in, and then you're going to put Clement in at the end. But, um, yeah, they seem really content with just, you know, running Sanders into the ground. I mean, he hasn't really been healthy yet. Um, you know, I think that probably this week is the first week that he won't be on the injury report as if he doesn't pop up today. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that that is just the way that they're going to go forward is they're going to have Sanders as the number one guy and the guys behind him are, are less complimentary guys than they've been in the past. You know, like usually they like to have guys who compliment their number one back or even don't have a number one back. But yeah, this year, I think that they're definitely just trying to have depth pieces behind him, whether that's a good idea or not. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah there was a lot of speculation. I'm sorry. Well, what they're doing with Boston Scott and Corey Clement is just having them dive into the line every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not three or four carries a game. You know, some of them when you're trying to run out the clock is not, uh, you know, I don't think you can blame the backs for that. I think some people are being real nitpicky about, you know, we saw what Boston Scott could do down the stretch last season. They're not using him in any of those ways. You know, it's uh, they don't have a between the tackles back. And so they've just decided that's going to be the role of the guys who aren't Miles Sanders. And uh, I don't think that's a real good plan I don't think they have I don't think either of those guys fits that role particularly and I think either of those guys could you know certainly uh Corey Clement had 100 receiving yards in the Super Bowl Boston Scott in that game at the Meadowlands uh last year uh you know was an electric weapon you could do a lot more with those guys than and what DJ yeah. said is right they just don't want to give any of the prime chances you know, the real, you know, down the field pass catching or the, you know, runs that might actually do something, they all go to Miles Sanders. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not particularly in love with either of them. I mean, Clement hasn't been the same since all yeah. his injuries. Um, and he's more of a north to south guy, but he's just, I just, I've never really liked his running. He just, he doesn't have a uh, smell for, for finding the holes. And, I, you know, I, I felt they could have done more at the backup running back spot. And Boston Scott, I mean, 
you know, he did a good job late last season. You're probably, you're bigger on him less than I were. And I give you credit because you were kind of pushing for him before he, before he kind of broke out late last season. And, you know, again, when Corey also, you have to remember Corey shine when that offense was the best in the NFL. And this offense is just not that dynamic right now. It's kind of predictable in many, many ways. And, you know, I noticed our <clears throat> one of our colleagues, Bo uh, Wolf from the Athletic, did this, but it's something I think he did the numbers, and it's something that I've been paying a lot of attention to because a lot of teams do it and they do it effectively. Is 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 motion at the snap, and the Eagles are like they don't get any their their yards per uh, play is terrible um, because teams aren't keen in on those. They aren't falling for those fakes because they, again they just don't have guys running those jet motions at the snap to, I think, instill fear in teams. When you got Tyreek Hill doing it, yeah, you're, you're keying in on them. But I think there's also something in just that there's something wrong with uh, how they're disguising plays. And, you know, and and they did a really good job of 2017 of, of doing that with different, how you different formations, how you, how you line set up your, uh, your players pre-snap and, and, uh, I just feel like the Eagles haven't done a good job of catching on to that trend. I don't know. Are there you guys pay attention to that or, or thought? I, much I don't that? pay, you know, as much attention as some other people who, you know, break down the all 22 and, you know, do that stuff. But I do think that there's something to just the fact that, I mean, the Eagles offense hasn't changed a whole lot in the last couple of years. They've added new assistant coaches, you know, and they talked about, you know, getting some of the 49ers aspects in there with the play action game. But I don't think the Eagles offense has changed a whole lot in the last couple of years. And, you know, when you've got that couple of, you know, you've got years of tape on, you know, their tendencies and what they like to do in certain situations. And, you know, I think that that can catch up to you. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. when I spoke to players last week about the screen game and why it's so ineffective, that was one thing that kept coming up as well. You know, everybody has us, uh, our screens on tape and, you know, they know what we like to do and when we like to do it. And, you know, that's, uh, you can't just sort of accept that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's trans- transition <clears throat> again to the, um, not again, but let's transition to the Steelers offense and the Eagles defense and the Eagles defense had a, had a good game against the 49ers. Now, uh, Nick Mullins basically almost played right. the Eagles on Sunday. I mean, I think we have to really put that out there. Second play, he missed a wide open receiver that would have maybe gone the entire way for 86 yards. The fullback. Yeah. Beautifully, beautifully schemed uh, play that was designed to take advantage of the Eagles, uh, undisciplined linebackers. Um, And then he threw two interceptions that I just mind bogglingly uh, stupid. And he, and he fumbled once, although I give more credit to Craven LeBlanc for stripping that. That was a very good, nice play by him. But nevertheless, I mean, he got yanked, and uh, and that that. But that being said, I mean, the Eagles' defensive front right now is is playing at a high level. I mean, you, and that's what you want out of this defense. If you if they can keep getting averaging six and a half sacks a game as they've done the last two weeks, that's going to go a long way towards keeping the Eagles in yeah. any game. That's true. And one point about the Steelers that I'd like to make: it's not specifically about the offense, but they are you know. Okay. But they've beaten the Giants, the Broncos, and the Texans, who I think are yeah. a combined one and eleven. So, you know, I mean, they're a good team. They're yeah. a Super Bowl contender, which is certainly something you can't really say about the Eagles right now. But 
much like last week with the 49ers, we don't know how good. We all thought the 49ers would win that game Sunday night. We had an inflated opinion of who Mullins was from his games against the Giants and Jets. Uh, you know, Correct. I mean, obviously Ben Roethlisberger is Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, I don't, you know, yeah. are the Steelers a great team? We'll see. I mean, I, that's the hope here for the Eagles, I think, is uh, that all these stats that heavily favor the Steelers in this matchup offensively and defensively uh, are a little bit suspect in that they haven't played anybody. <laughs> Right. No, I, I think that's fair. And you made that point last week and, and proved to be correct and that the 49ers were not as good as uh, it seemed the two previous weeks. The Steelers, I, defensively, I think they're that's going to hold up over the course of a, of a season. Uh, offensively, I mean, you yeah, you do have Ben, but you have a 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but you, but let's, let's, let's look specifically at some of their, their talent there, though. I mean, James yeah. Conner is a top-tier yeah. court running back. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a top-tier wide receiver. And you have two talented tight ends and Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. I, I wouldn't say they're top guys, but you know, right. they can get the job done. And then you have an offensive line that has guys that have been there a long time. I mean, you, at center, you have Marquise Pouncey. He's one of the better guys. Uh, former former Eager, Eagle, Alejandro uh, Villanueva, who's their left tackle. We all know his story. Um, so this is a good unit. Uh, great. I don't know. I mean, this is probably the Eagles opportunity to, you know, to hold the team. If they, if they win, they can win it on, on this side of the ball is, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What are some of the matchups? I mean, do, is, is Darius Slay going to follow Juju? I would Juju? so. And that's one of the matchups I'm looking forward to watching. You know, Darius yeah. is, or sorry, Slay has been pretty good against number ones. Um, you know, like I was, I was thinking before the podcast, you know, is Juju the best receiver that he'll see? Um, and I guess there's a chance, but I mean, I, th- I think that both Robert Woods, Cooper cup, and then I, I mean, I think, I think I probably value Terry McLaurin higher than most people, but I think that, he, Oh, I like him. A yeah. Lot. I think that they're, yeah, I think that he's yeah, no, he's good. about as good as Juju would be. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. so I, I, that's yeah. one of the matchups that I'm looking forward to seeing the most um, is those two guys. And, you know, just seeing how the Eagles secondary handles it. Well, you mentioned, Jeff, the tight ends, even though they're not superstars. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The the uh, Bengals game was the only time the Eagles haven't gotten absolutely murdered by a tight end this year. Yeah. And I think that's a huge uh, – what are they going to do there? I mean, you almost wonder if they should put Slay on tight ends right now. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's – right. I threw that out there last week in my write-up uh, that maybe just have him cover – Kittle, uh, and they George Kittle, but that the problem that would have been a that would have been a physical. He'd have been yeah. totally. That's the problem with Slay is he's just not a physical cornerback. And I mean, one of these guys maybe, but you're not going to waste him. I mean, you're going to put him on Juju. Uh, Juju is their top pass c- catching threat. Um, no, but I mean the the the, line, the tight end thing is is partly because of the linebackers can't cover right right now, and. The safeties, uh, who actually probably spent a little more time covering tight ends now than, than linebackers, at least in man coverage, um, you know, that Jalen Mills has been that guy, and, and now he's a cornerback. So, and I think he'll probably be there again this week. So you're looking at Marcus Epps and Kevon Wallace, and those guys really, I mean, Wallace especially just had no chance against Kittle. And, and I mean, look, there's probably, <laughs> that's, that's a tough assignment for a kid playing basically in his first mm-hmm. yeah. real live game. Um, 
but um, the linebacker situation, you know, no TJ Edwards. You know, I wrote about this today, and, and I, I think maybe there's just an opportunity to start playing some of the younger guys and Nate Singleton because I just think Nate Gary right now, and, and honestly, who's Duke Riley's been playing worse than you. Yeah, Nate yeah Gary, Duke Riley has been a huge disappointment to me. He's a guy with some physical talent, but you talked about the uh, the undisciplined play of the linebackers, Jeff, a little while ago. He's exhibit A there. He never saw a misdirection or play action that he didn't fall for. He's never where he's supposed to be. He's never covering the guy he's supposed to be no. covering. It's just unbelievable you know, that a guy with right. talent. And Nate Gary, Nate Gary. played for the Atlanta Falcons before he came here. You know, just yeah. can't figure anything out about that position, it seems like to me. Yeah. And Nate Gary, meanwhile, who, who typically is in the right spot, and that's why they have him out there for all three downs and calling the plays can't make the play a lot of times even though he knows he's got to be in the right he's supposed to be in the right spot yep. he's just not making the play i mean i, I put the, i did this in my film review i mean that that second play this the 49ers had everyone was all over nate gary because you know he was in the picture and he was the one trying to leap and deflect the ball but it was tj edwards who crashed and was supposed to cover the the, the fullback on the release and you know it wasn't yeah. nate's fault um so it's not just nate i mean it's, it's the entire unit but the fact that not neither Sean Bradley or Davion Taylor can get in the lineup tells you probably a little bit about how ready they are. I think Nate Singleton, he just kind of – he just – because of who he is and where he came from, Alex, yeah. just doesn't get the doesn't get the opportunity that these other guys do. I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair to Jim Schwartz. I mean, Jim is smart. Jim's not going to play guys who are Alex, good enough. Uh, he's going to play guys Alex who are is, good enough, is, that is. a safety kind of who plays linebacker. I mean, he's a, he's not a big man. Uh, but I like him. I think he's smart, and they could use a bit of that on the field right now. Yeah. 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 He's got some instincts, too. I mean, so um, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, safety, I guess. McLeod had yeah. a really good game. Maybe we should mention that. Uh, you know, and he's going to be, it's going to be important for him, obviously, with, you know, Juju, they're going to have to probably at times shade him that way. But he's going to have to help in the run against James Conner. I mean, James Conner, he can kill you. And this run defense, though, did a really good job against the really good run scheme last week. So if they can hang their hats on stopping the run, they got yeah. a shot to win this, I think. Yeah, I do too. And I, I really think you saw them Sunday night really sort of play with desperation and purpose and focus. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, I mean – uh, I, I do think they're a better team than they showed those first three weeks. And uh, I, I hope, you know, I think they'll continue to show us that. It's going to be pretty miserable here with the Ravens coming up if uh, if they really get blown out of this game and just show no life whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's supposed to rain on Sunday, which maybe could play to the Eagles' advantage. I mean, that field really gets yeah. muddy. It's a terrible yeah. field. The Eagles have never won there in regular season. They've only been there twice. It's hard to realize that because they're there in the preseason about every two or three years. But, you know, uh, only two regular season games. And that was the only game that the 2004 Eagles starters really lost. And they got beat bad there. Of course, that was a long, long time ago. Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie. But, uh, you know, it was basically because Brian Westbrook was hurt and tried to play and uh, really couldn't give them anything. And the Steelers defense just totally shut down. Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens that day. And, uh, you know, but it, the only time that happened all year. 
Yeah, that was before my time. Uh, Is there anything? (laughs) Well, I don't know. EJ might have been born now. I was certainly born. I watched the game. I remember that. What do you guys? uh, Anything I'm missing? Anything you guys want to point out uh, that uh, in looking at the matchup stood out to you that I haven't mentioned? History situation and how kind of squishy it is. You know, who are they getting back this week? And, you know, what's the time frame on some of these other guys? I tried to ask Doug yesterday about Will Parks, who's been down for five weeks with a hamstring. You know, I mean, at some point, they need to get some of these guys back. They're not all down for the season, uh, you know, but it just doesn't seem like other than Deshaun and Alshon that there's a lot going on there. Uh, I, I really, you know, they're. Everybody's got injuries, but the Eagles have more. They had 17 guys on their IR list at one point recently. Uh, wow, it's amazing. The hamstring, the hamstring strain is this year's yeah. uh, Liz Frank. Just like this Liz Frank was the previous year's ACL. I mean, the Eagles just always have one injury that just, uh, upon many other injuries these last several yeah. years, that just kills them. And everyone's got the hamstring. I mean. Right? How many guys? I think they got like five or six guys who've missed time because of a hamstring strain. Um, the other, yeah, Alshon, the interesting thing. So we're entering week five here. If he had been put on PUP, he would have he would have had yeah. to miss six weeks. So if he doesn't play this week, right? I almost wonder why they. I mean, I get you have a lot of more fl- roster flexibility, so you can afford to keep guys on the roster. I guess that's their way of thinking. Is that correct? I kind of think they expect to have him for this week, or at least a couple weeks ago, they were certainly expecting Mm -hmm. to have him for this week. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was was limited at practice. That's what it sounded like at the beginning of the season. And they said that they didn't think that it was going to take the full six weeks to get him back. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. EJ, Um, you were going to say something that you wanted to focus on. Was like the rookie receiver that, you know, you could measure up against, you know, I guess Rager won't be playing, but still, you know, it's just, I like to keep an eye on all the rookie receivers that the Eagles passed on. And this week it'll be Chase Claypool. He doesn't have a lot of catches, but the catches he does have are um, usually explosive. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the Eagles are certainly lacking explosiveness. They should get uh, the explosive JJ Ortega <laughs> Whiteside back uh, this week. And I mean, do you play Travis Fulgham ahead uh, of JJ? I would. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, geez, I mean, they can't give up on this kid, but it's just, it's, uh, you know, it, the, the optics aren't very good for, for the, the JJ thing you run into uh, here, so I've far. Said this before, and I'm not making excuses for JJ. He's kind of a dud, but Carson won't throw him the ball. Yeah, he tried to throw him the ball and got intercepted, and I doubt Carson will do this like he did with Matt Collins last year. It's like, yeah, put him out there if you want to, but uh, I'm not looking at him. <laughs> and uh, I just, unless unless there's really going to be something there other than blocking for JJ, uh, don't bother. Well, it just goes back yeah. to what a terrible draft pick that was. Not because even not even just because of the lack of apparent talent. Uh, it's just I don't think he fits in with what. With Carson, I mean, Carson has to see guys open to some extent. He's not right. like a jump ball, back shoulder receiver. I mean, your quarterback. It's just not. It's just not who he is, and that's why he's kind of struggled to develop a chemistry with Alshon Jeffrey. And then you go and draft this guy. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I just mind boggling. Uh, on top of you know who they who else they passed on. We don't need to go down that road again. But um, all right, well let's go, let's do the picks. Um, who do you guys got? I'm probably going to go Steelers in a close game. Um, yeah. 
I think I, yeah, I'll probably like, I mean, I always choose my score like the last second, but I'll probably do like 27, 24, something like that. Yeah. Lester. You know, I, it's kind of, we have to do these picks against the spread in the paper. So I'm going to be a real wimp and pick the Steelers to win, but not to cover. I'm going to say like 21 17. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I don't think I see a lot of points either. I, I've been wrong every week, so I, I don't know at this point. It's, I've been terrible. I mean, I'm typically not good at d- picking these games, especially the Eagles. I'm okay doing it against the spread yeah. for the entire league, but I just not. Yeah, I'm just never really great at the Eagles, and and because I'm just focused on other stuff, and I just who knows. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I again, I agree with you, Les. They're not as bad of a team as, as they showed in the first three weeks. Are they a good team? No, they're not a good team. Will they ever be a good team this year? Probably not. But they'll be hanging around for a long time. And and what impressed me most last week was that they how tough they played and how they hung in there. Yeah, and how they're yeah. still playing for Doug and. Um, and I, I just feel like they're gonna they're gonna keep doing that every week until who knows later. Um, as long as guys like Jason Peters and Deshaun Jackson aren't out there and, and all of a sudden decide they don't want to play, um, I feel like they're going to be in most games on most weeks. Now, I feel it's po- probable, it's possible that the Steelers come out and, yeah. and whoop them. Um, but I don't think we're going to see another Rams, Rams-type game, game again this, this season. Maybe, maybe, maybe it happens once against a really good team down the road. But I agree with you. I think the Steelers are good, yeah. but I don't think they're great. So I'll probably pick a game. I'll probably do the same as you, Les. I'll probably pick the Steelers a win, but have the Eagles cover. All right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining the Bird's Eye View podcast. Please let me uh, do a little plugs here. Uh, go to theinquire.com to read all of our work on the Philadelphia Indeed. Eagles. Plenty of stories there. Sign up for the Early Birds newsletter. Uh, we do yep. one almost five days yes. a week, I guess it is. Uh, the extra content. In there, links to all the stories, answer questions if you want to send them to us uh, on Twitter. Uh, what's everyone's Twitter handles? Well, I'm, I'm Jeff Les underscore Bowen. McLean. Les, you are, and I'm EJ Atlas Smith Bowen 94. EJ, yeah, EJ Smith 94. All right, well, thank you for joining the Bird's Eye View podcast, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for, for doing this again, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.